Turn to your neighbor and just say, rejoice. rejoice. Oh, that was a good warm-up. Let's try it one more time. Turn to that other neighbor and say, rejoice. rejoice. Philippians 4 is our passage today, beginning in the fourth verse, and it begins with, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence of anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, we are so very thankful to come into your house. Everything that it means that we are invited to come into your presence, that we are part of something greater than ourselves. We come, Father, thankful to be called your children. Forgive us of any ways that we have fallen short and give us by the power of your spirit the strength to repent and turn away from our failures. Cleanse us, Father, so that we may come to you in freedom and in confidence. Lord Jesus, I believe that there are many here today who are struggling. And the very idea of rejoicing just seems to be too much, too far away. I pray by the power of your spirit that you would refresh and comfort and give them even joy. We pray, Father, that your holy word would be open to us by the spirit. That you would breathe through these words into us. So even in difficult times, we may feel your presence, your power, and your joy. We pray these things humbly in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Over the last several weeks, I've been preaching about uh, what it means to be a disciple. And as we have looked at these passages about being a disciple, I, I think we would all conclude that some of these things are very, very hard We've talked about the high standards and about being accountable before God. We've talked about the challenges of following Jesus and walking in his footsteps. Words like self-denial and adversity and all of these words are hard and, and challenging. And at some point you may ask yourself, you know, why? Why am I doing these things? Why am I doing the hard things? Why am I putting myself through all this? Isn't there an easier way? And brothers and sisters, with everything I believe, everything I know, everything I am, you may not believe me at this point in the message, but I believe the answer is three little letters and the word is joy. We do many of the things that we do for the joy and specifically the joy that we find in our continuous walking, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Does that make sense to anybody today? Say amen. Amen. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest writers and pastors of all uh, of America, wrote this on joy. Won't you let these words just kind of breathe into your spirit today? 
He said this of joy, there is a marvelous medicinal power in joy. Most medicines are distasteful, but this, which is the best of all medicines, is sweet to the taste and comforting to the heart. This blessed joy is very contagious. One dolorous, sorrowful, or distressed spirit brings all kinds of plagues into the house. One person who is wretched seems to stop all the birds from singing wherever he goes. But the grace of joy is contagious. Holy joy will oil the wheels of your life's machinery. Holy joy will strengthen you for your daily labor. Holy joy will beautify you and give you influence over the lives of others. Now that seems to be something that every one of us would desire for our own life. So, so let me ask you this morning, as you think about your life, your thus last week at least, would you consider yourself a joyful person? Remember Winnie the Pooh? If you were one of the characters, would you be Tigger, kind of just bouncing around, just full of joy, even when sometimes it's hard? Or would you consider yourself kind of an Eeyore? Oh my, we're just doomed. Which one would you be? Are you a person of joy? Perhaps if we kind of settled on a definition of what joy is, it might be helpful to answer. And as I thought about it this week, I was very much in line with Rich and his children's sermon today. It seems to me that there's two kinds of joy in the world. And, and one, let's call it uh, chocolate cake joy. Can I get an amen for the chocolate cake? Amen. Amen. On Wednesday, this last Wednesday, we had Higher Heights luncheon, and man, it was so good. The fellowship was sweet, and, and uh, the food was so good. I got to the end of that buffet table, and I looked down, and there was these wonderful soups and, and, and wonderful sa- uh, sandwiches, and I, my eyes raised as if to the heavens. And on the end of that old table, there was a, yes, it was, a big old chocolate cake. And, and, you know, it wasn't one of those chocolate cakes where they just put a little icing on there, you know. And No, it was, it was rich. And joy, you know, I just thought, joy right there. And it was joyful all the way down until, you know, I, I cut that cake down, put it on my plate. Mm, joy! And, uh, and, I, and I took that first mouthful of that chocolate cake, and it was so, joy! And it, it was joy all the way through up until that last bite. And then, and then the joy was gone, and, and then the guilt came, and I got to go home now and confess to Sandy I had chocolate cake. <laughs> and um, Cal, you know you're on a diet, and above all, you know that once on the lips, forever on the hips. That's kind of the joy that the world offers you, you know. As long as life is uh, sweet and, and, and everything is going good and you're getting everything that you think you need or deserve, then joy, you know, but when circumstances change and things get tough, and well, then what? Joy leaves me. But the second kind of joy is called, let's call it joy in the Lord. Let's call it that because that's what the Scriptures call it. Joy in the Lord. Psalm 33 says this, sing for joy in the Lord. Oh, you righteous ones, praise is becoming to the upright. In other words, it makes you beautiful when you praise. The best working definition I ever came across on joy was written by Kay Warren. And she said this, she said, joy in the Lord is the settled assurance that God is in control 
of all the details in my life, you know what that means? I don't have to be. I don't have to be in control. She said the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. Somebody needs to hear that today, I imagine. And the determined choice to praise God in all things. Isn't that good? So if I had to kind of define chocolate cake joy in one word, I I would say it's the word, you know, happy. I'm happy as long as the circumstances are okay. But joy in the Lord, if I had to define that with one word, I would say that would be more like content, peace, regardless of the circumstances. So that's, that's how the Apostle Paul can say in Philippians 4.1, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Joy in all situations. So again, are you a person of joy? As other people look into your life, would that be the the way that they would describe you. As Spurgeon said, he said there's two kinds of people in the world. He said there's one kind of people that, you know, when they show up, all the birds just stop singing. We don't want to be that person. Or or is your joy contagious? Holy joy will beautify you and give you influence. I don't think he's talking about influence so much as just you'll draw people to you. You'll draw people to the Lord when you have this strange, unusual thing of joy even when things aren't going well in your life. So if you are in a joy deficit today, the Apostle Paul has a wonderful word for you. And Paul knew that sometimes, you know, I'll just tell, I'll I'll confess to you this morning, I think I needed this sermon more than anybody. I didn't even realize it, but I started to read these words and I, I kind of feel like I'd fallen into a bit of a joy deficit. It happens, it happens to all of us. Paul knew it. That's why he says it twice. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Did you get it the first time? Because he says it again. Again, I will say rejoice. And aren't you thankful that it gives you some handholds to help us along the way? The first handhold, I think, is found in verse 6. He says the most audacious thing. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing. Even though we know that anxiety and worry does not help us, we tend to nurture it. We tend to hold on to our fears and our anxieties. We almost show them off as badges of honor sometimes. Look how worried I am. Even though we know that the anxiety that some of us are experiencing right now, it will have no effect. In fact, it's going to make things worse in your life. You're not going to make good decisions when you're under pressure, when you're feeling anxiety. It doesn't help. It only hurts. We know that holding on and nurturing anxiety shortens the length of our life, can literally steal years off of your life. 
And so the Apostle Paul says, don't nurture it, but let go of it. Rather than being anxious, he says, pray and let your request be made known to God. There's a story about two women. They were sitting side by side and they were mending their husband's pants. They were sewing on patches. And, and one woman said to the other woman, she goes, you know, my husband is just miserable. Everything about our home life is just miserable. The man can't, he can't, he's got a thousand TV channels. He can't find one that he's happy with. Not happy when he goes to church. He says, every time we go to church, he's, he's, he says, the song leader is terrible and the pastor is an idiot. No one say amen at that point. He said, the song leader is terrible, the pastor is an idiot. The other wife looked at her kind of strangely. He said, you know, my husband is so excited that he can't wait to go to church. He loves the sermons. He loves the music. He said, she said, we laugh all the time. We enjoy our family. And, you know, after she said this and saw the way the other woman reacted, she was like, oh. It got kind of quiet. So they just sat there side by side, mending their husband's pants. One woman was mending the seat of her husband's pants. The other woman was mending the knees of her husband's pants. Which one do you think was which? When you're feeling incredible anxiety, and we're all going to get to that point at some time, don't let anxiety steal your joy. Rather, pray, placing your concerns in the hands of your heavenly Father. There are so many things. Every Wednesday night, we go down our prayer list, and i got to tell you, there's almost always a point as we're going down this incredible prayer list where there's a knot that begins to build in my stomach. And I just begin to feel overwhelmed at the weight of, And then I have to remind myself the very best thing that I can do is to take my brothers and sisters and all of their concerns and lift them and leave them in the hands of my Heavenly Father. There is so little that I can do, but my Heavenly Father can do all things. So instead of living in anxiety, take, take your concerns to your Heavenly Father. And for goodness sakes, listen, listen, real practical thing. I just want you to think about it. Real practical thing, after you have prayed and you get up, act like you've prayed. Act like you've left it in the hands of your Heavenly Father. I have so many times over the years been working with somebody and we talk and we share and then we get to the point where it's good and right to pray, you know, and we pray and then as soon as that person lifts up their hands, its head is right back to, oh, wringing their hands and they're so concerned and it's like they never prayed. I'm just saying, listen, if you lift your head and you're still at that level of anxiety, then stop and begin to pray. I came up with something just this morning. It's brilliant. I can't wait to tell you. If you're having trouble praying, if you're having trouble, as, as Paul says, to pray in the Spirit, I, I want you to perform CPR on yourself. Look at your neighbor say, CPR. Oh, you're not really low. You did not look. <laughs> Calling him right out. If you're having trouble praying and connecting with the Holy Spirit, I want, you to, I want you to pray the character of God. Just stop and tell your Heavenly Father, Holy, Holy Lord, this is too much for me, but there's nothing that's too hard for you. 
Holy Father, this, this day has just knocked me, knocked me to my knees. I was completely caught off guard. But you know what? You knew from the beginning of time, and there is nothing that caught you off guard, and there is nothing too difficult for you. C. Number two, P, pray the promises of God. Holy Father, I remember your word. I remember your word, and you said that at such difficult times that you would never leave me or forsake me. I remember you said that everything in the world belongs to you, so I have this need. You said that if I sought you first, and that's what I'm trying to do, that all of these other things would be delivered unto me. So I'm just going to rest in you. C-P and then R. Remember. Remember in your prayers. Holy Father, and this is a true story for me. There was a time when I had to go get my son because he was terribly sick. And I remember, I remember being so scared when I needed to get him. He needed to come out of school, drop out of university. And man, we were crushed. And it was a life or death emergency, and we didn't know if he was going to make it or not. And I remember at that low point, I was afraid, and I was angry, and I was crushed. And I remember at that low point, even when I wasn't seeking God, God sought me. And he spoke to my spirit by the power of his spirit, and he said, it's going to be okay. And now years later, my son's healthy and working and next fall he's going to be married to a wonderful woman and I remember I remember how faithful God was and I remember that God doesn't change and I remember that he loves you just as much as he loves me because he loves perfectly and so Lord because you do not change and I remember all the blessings you poured into my life I'm going to get up from here and know that you have this under control. And we can move forward then in peace and contentment and joy. The scriptures say the peace of God, if you do that, it will surpass all comprehension. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Are you a joy in the Lord person. The second handhold of faith that Paul gives us in verse 8 is this. Listen, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Look at your neighbor one more time. Say dwell. Yeah, good job, Roy Lowe. Dwell. I want to draw your attention to that word. It means, it means to focus on, to meditate. And so I just want you to think back this last week, this last month, this last year. What are the kind of things that you dwell on? Whew, I needed that this week. I needed to be reminded because I started thinking about the things I dwell on. In your personal life, what do you dwell on? When you think of your own life, do you think about the 99 things that are going great or do you dwell on the one that's broken? Uh-oh. When you think about your dearest friends, your closest group of friends, your circle of friends, do you think about them and the things that are wonderful about them, rich, the laughter that you share, or do you focus on the things that you might consider shortcomings? 
When you watch the evening news, this is a trick question because the evening news kind of messes with us. When you watch the evening news, do you dwell on the things that are broken or do you dwell on the things that are good? It's a trick question because you know what? The evening news wants to scare you to death. They want to keep you to level anxiety so that you'll come back and watch their commercials and they can make more money. Just saying, we need to dwell. The Apostle Paul says we need to dwell on what's good, what's right. So, let, hey, hey, listen, if you came with a joy deficit this morning, let's just work on it right now. Let's just see if we can do that. Um, let, me, let me see. I, I want to draw your attention to that word dwell, so, so let's try something together. I want you to think of something right now. Ready? Something that's true. Dwell on it just for a second. Good job, Tony. He's thinking. I can see it. What's true in your life? You know, the first thing I thought of was my beautiful wife. It's true. Not just because she's beautiful on the outside, she is. But because I know that her beliefs and her behavior are in line. And I also know that that truth that she lives is the greatest, the second greatest gift that God has ever given me. And she brings me incredible joy. What is, what's pure in your life? I was thinking about that. What's, what's pure in your life? Think about it. Meditate. Dwell on it just for a second. You know the first thing that came to my mind? The Awana kids on Wednesday night. Now, you might have a hard time getting your head around that if you've seen those Awana kids because sometimes, are they all gone? Good. Um, sometimes they're just a big old mess, and they're just running around bashing into each other and knocking each other over and snot kind of running down their nose. And so that, that's not the pure I'm talking about. The very next moment after all of that, I'm watching these little children look up into the face of their leaders as they're trying to memorize their Bible verses. And they didn't want to let their leader down. And they're really struggling to do something good. And there was such purity in their eyes. It gives me joy. What's honorable in your life? Meditate on it. Dwell on it. Let your spirit be filled with it. You know, the first thing that came to my mind are deacons that I've worked with for five years. Five years today, in fact. And we didn't always agree on everything. We've struggled with things over the years. But as I look and remember those men and women who have wrestled with those difficult issues, I can tell you with everything I am, they've acted honorably. They've done their best. And working with them gives me joy. What's lovely in your life? What is of good repute? What is... Excellent. Dwell on these things. What is worthy of praise? Dwell on these things. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about just looking through rose-colored glasses because there's work to be done. There's changes, you know. We, we need to be the presence of, of Christ in Sanford and beyond. Some of those things are going to be hard. I, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we can be so focused on what's broken that we miss the great beauty. What's lovely? I'll tell you what's lovely. Above all things, I can tell you what's lovely. God loves you. 
God loves you. God is passionately, overwhelmingly in love with you. Sandy and I were at a Christian concert a few years ago, and uh, the singer stopped for a minute, and he started to talk, and, and he, said, uh, he said, if Jesus was standing right in front of you this very moment and looking into your eyes, what is it you imagine he would say? And oh my, immediately, just I think the way I've been broken or whatever, I just started to think, of all the failures, of the ways that he might correct me. But the singer went on, and before he sang, he said, he said, I believe that he would say, I love you. I love you so much that I would give my life for you. What's lovely? And as he began to sing, all of the anxiety and the concern of what was and is and will be all just went away. And what? I began to feel the joy in the Lord. Do you believe this morning that God loves you? Psalm 86.5 says, You, God, you, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call you. Psalm 136, Give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Isn't that incredible? Do you believe it so much that it would change you, that you'd begin to feel the joy that God has in you? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you truly believe so much that you can rejoice in the Lord this morning? That you can find peace and comfort? I, I once went, read a book, and, and uh, have you ever come to a book and you read a passage and all of a sudden you just stop? You go, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's true. I was reading not too long ago when this passage came up. It said, it said the most startling thing. He said, do you understand that Father God, listen to this, do you understand that Father God loves you as much as he loves Jesus? I thought, no, <laughs> that's not right. Jesus is worthy of love, not me. I'm flawed. I'm inconsistent. But do you see what I was doing? I was basing his love on my performance. And I learned that from the world because that's kind of the way the world most often loves. But that's not how God loves. God is love. That's his character. He can't love you any other way except fully and perfectly. Isn't that amazing? And when you begin to accept that kind of love, it, it can just scare fear right away. It will surely encourage you to yield to the transforming power of the Spirit. So rejoice. Because God loves you just as you are. And rejoice that God is continuing to work in you and transform you into the image of his son. Rejoice in the Lord. Paul says it twice. Rejoice always. 
Rejoice in the past because you are free. You don't have to worry about your sins. You don't have to be imprisoned by your past. There are times in my life when some memory from some past failure will come. And it literally will make me cringe. I just think, I can't believe it. And then I remind myself, that's not who I am anymore. And by the blood of Jesus Christ, he's healed me. And he sees me as perfected. Rejoice in your past. Rejoice in your present. There's nothing too difficult for your heavenly father. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you perfectly. Rejoice in your future. I had a seminary professor who said this. He said, you know what? The best day on earth will totally be eclipsed by the worst day in heaven. Do you believe it? The best day on earth will be totally eclipsed by the worst day in heaven. And then he went on to say this, and there are no worst days in heaven. Rejoice. Let go of anxiety. Live in his peace. Until he returns, we pray, we dwell, practice. We pray a living encounter with the Holy Spirit and then we get up and act like we have prayed. We dwell, we focus on the positive, turn away from the negative, and we practice. Practice the choice of choosing joy. Would you pray with me? Holy Father, I know there are people in this congregation, probably people listening on the radio, that are struggling mightily. Some with the great challenge of their life, perhaps. And the idea of joy may be so foreign to them, but we pray especially for those that are struggling. We pray, Father, for your peace, your comfort, we pray, Father, that we would have the wisdom to, at such moments to turn to you. We pray, Father, that we would experience your joy and that anxiety and fear would flee. We pray, Father, that we would live fully in you and that that joy would be so attractive to others that certainly they would want it for themselves. Please, Holy Spirit, come and speak to our spirits. Help us to be people of joy. We love you and we thank you for every good gift. In Jesus' name, amen.